It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hello, hello, hello. Today is a good day on the Speedway Show. We're going to talk about a topic that is actually rather gloomy, but we're going to try and keep it upbeat so that those of you who are experiencing it, those of you who really want to know about it because you're going through it, well, I don't want you to feel too badly. Looking on the bright side, you're not alone. In fact, 50% of married Americans have been through what you are going through right now. The topic of this show is when the marriage falls apart. Oh, my goodness, I never thought I'd see the day. Why, when we got married, I thought we were going to be married forever. I can't believe my marriage is falling apart. This sucks. And it does, too. Anyway, so we have, this is part three of when the marriage falls apart. We've talked about a whole lot of stuff. We've talked about, um, you know, what happens at the beginning. The last show, we had uh, a fair conversation about uh, some legal aspects of the divorce and, and, and why you should get married, why you should get divorced, If uh, especially if there's no hope of reconciliation and your marriage is especially if it's been over for a while. You know, what are the legal implications of getting divorced or not getting divorced? Today we're going to talk about the children. Talk about the children. This is for all the lost children. Um, so what to do with the kids? There are certain things that, and, and, and before you start, you know, thinking to yourself, I can't believe that you would sit there and judge me. This is not a judgmental show. I know what you're going through. I've been divorced myself, and when I did it, I had two young children. So... I know something about this topic. I can certainly relate, and what I'm going to tell you is hard stuff. But I can tell you that I've done it, and I know a lot of other parents who've done it, and you can do it too. So what to do with the kids. Here is the first thing that I would like you to promise yourself with respect to your children. Those of you, if you've ever watched um, the Dr. Phil show, and listens to him talk about marital strife and children, the one thing he says never, ever, never, 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 ever to do is get into a fight in front of your children, um, especially those big, non-constructive fights, because it confuses the kids, it's painful to them, it changes who they are. It, uh, Oprah, I think it was Oprah who says, it writes on the tablet of who they are. It changes their little souls forever. And, you know, the one thing, that I think is true about divorce is whatever the differences are between you and your spouse, you ought to first vow. I mean, vow. I mean, just promise. Just if it if it if it kills you, if you just really have to go deep down and just kind of go, Argh! you go deep down into that place and you just promise yourself that whatever the issues between you and your spouse, the kids won't suffer. That means a couple of things. That means that you don't get to use them as pawns. You don't get to punish your spouse with the children. And this happens way too often. And it happens on both sides, right, where moms will keep the children away from the dads or, you know, dad says, hey, I'm coming to exercise my visitation. I'm going to come pick the kids up. And mom says, sure, sure, no problem. I have a friend. This happened to a lot. And uh, he shows up at the doorstep. He can't wait to see his babies. 
and mom is nowhere to be found, and she's taking the kids with her, and he has no idea where she is. And the kids don't get to see their dad that day. Or, on the flip side, dad says, oh, yes, I am coming to pick up the children. She says, okay, great. Little baby is sitting there with her little suitcase ready to go to daddy's house to spend the weekend, and daddy just doesn't show. Maybe, you know, for for any number of reasons, right? Daddy has daddy is mad and or maybe daddy's in pain and it's just too painful to see his wife today um or maybe he's just you know he started a new life he's got a new girlfriend he doesn't really want to see the kids it's just too inconvenient whatever the reason but these are things not to do to your children because it really does change who they are one of the things that i remember doing when uh, my ex-husband and I went through our divorce. The one thing we did agree to was we were never going to take issue with each other over the kids. Both of us would have much preferred to have full custody. We recognized that the other person loved the kids as much as um, uh, I did, and he loved the kids as much as I did. I loved the kids as much as he did. And so we, we just agreed that we're going to have joint custody. We never talked about each other badly in front of the kids. And visitation and custody was never an issue. There are ways to overcome the challenge if there is just too much acrimony between the parents that you don't really want to see each other to exchange the children. One of the things that happens often when it comes to exchanging children, and I'm borrowing from the days when I I did divorce work as a lawyer, is that oftentimes, um, sometimes the parents will use the schedule as a pawn against the other parents. So you are supposed to be here at 6 o'clock to pick up the kids on Friday, and it is now 7 o'clock, you have not called, there's no sign of you, and then you show up at 7.15 with a cheesy grin and a, gee, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, I had plans. I had tickets to go and see Janet Jackson tonight, and now I'm because, you know, your traveling behind didn't show up when you were supposed to show up, and now I'm mad. And, um, well, that happens sometimes. There are ways around that. Or maybe it's just too painful to see each other. Every time you see each other, you know, you still have that sick feeling in your stomach, and it just takes so much out of you emotionally to do this exchange, even if all you're doing is saying, okay, here are the kids, get your stuff, get on out, um, and, 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 you know, hi, go away. And sometimes even that can be really painful. But there's a solution for that. If your kids go to daycare, if your kids go to school, have the exchange and the drop-off happen at school. That way you don't have to see each other. Both of you know what time school closes. If, you know, in a lot of schools they find you for not showing up on time. So if school closes at 5.30, you know you better be there at 5.30, otherwise you're paying a dollar a minute for every minute that you're late. But... This is not your problem if you're the other parent because your job was simply to drop off the kids at school that day. So if it's dad's turn to get the kids on Friday and you drop them off on Friday morning, you are free to make whatever plans you want to make for Friday afternoon, Friday evening, because you know that you're not even the one who's going to have to sit at home waiting for dad to show up and pick up the kids and vice versa. So there are always ways that you can organize your schedule in order to facilitate the orderly drop-off of the children. Sometimes a court might order supervised visitation. 
if there are issues or you know health issues between the kids uh, between the parents and you know sometimes the drop off may be at the home of somebody else who's acting as a sort of a neutral third party if the parents really can't get along but there are always ways to address those kinds of issues i read once upon a time that actually when the children go through a divorce um well actually this was research that my ex-husband and I did when we were still married. And what we found was that when we looked up all the things that happened to children, the negative side effects of divorce, it turned out that probably 90% of the problems were caused by the parents misbehaving. So it was stuff like, you know, what I'm the stuff I just talked about with visitation and custody. It was, you know, one parent just being absent, either intentionally or being kept away by the other parent, and the horrible impact that had on the children. Um, sometimes it was that the parents were bad-mouthing each other to the children, and when you've got, you know, children who have a tendency, especially when they're younger, to think that their parents are the best thing. You know, my mommy is the most beautiful mommy woman on the planet. My daddy is the tallest man. Why? He can almost reach the ceiling. I mean, kids look up to their parents and they love them. And so when you destroy that image inside that child, it creates all sorts of issues because now they are feeling, you know, there's a question of loyalty, right? So I love my mom. Um, Daddy hurt mom. I love daddy. So I'm now sitting in between thinking, what am I going to do? Um, kids have a tendency to blame themselves for all sorts of things. It's a weird kid thing, I suppose. Um, I'm not a psychologist, but this is just what I know. And so oftentimes it's an easy leap for a child to conclude that the problems that mommy and daddy are having in the marriage must be because of me. Had I not been born, had I not whatever, had I not been naughty, had I not, and and some of it is just when you hear it, it's absolute nonsense because you're sitting there going, I can't believe that my child would have made the leap between this and that. But they do sometimes. And so all of these are reasons to be ultra, ultra vigilant with your children. Do not use them as pawns. Do not use them as venting posts. Do not involve little children, especially in your problems. In fact, I would say no matter what age they are, do not involve your kids in your problems because all you're doing is pitching them between one parent and the other. And kids just, you know, that is not their place. And they should not be taking sides and you should not be creating biases in their minds that cause them to take sides. Don't deprive the other parent of access. Do not abandon your children. Do not put your needs above theirs. When you start dating and life is exciting, do not suddenly abandon your kids because you've got better things to do with your Friday night besides being a parent. When you volunteered to be a parent, whether it was knowing or unknowing, then you opted in to a lot of obligations that even though you might be going through a divorce, you ought to still keep because those kids are the unwitting, uh, unwilling um, victims, potentially, of a divorce that they did not opt for, they did not choose, and this is just sort of where they find themselves. Be creative in developing a custody arrangement that works for the kids and give them maximum access to each parent. For example, I have a friend whose ex-wife lives three miles down the street. He does all the pickup, all the drop-off of the kids. 
he is the main custodian for his children, and yet they see both parents every single, you know, I suspect they probably see both parents join here every day is what it sounds like to me. How optimum is that for the children? And how admirable is it for the parents that they could work out even though they're not together anymore and they don't, as near as I can tell, want to be together anymore, but they were still mature enough to work out the best optimum situation for their kids. Um you may have, you know, I, I find that actually I have a very unique um, custody schedule where my kids are with me half the time and they're with their dad half the time. So we have them, I'm two weeks on, he is two weeks on. For the two weeks that I am on, he has them for the weekend in between. And we do pick up and drop off at school. So if it's my turn, for example, I will pick them up Friday, and then if it's my week, then I have them until the next Friday. I drop them off at school on Friday. He picks them up Friday. He has them Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He drops them off at school Monday. I pick them up Monday. I have them for the following week. I drop them off Friday. He picks them up Friday. He has them for the next week. It sounds a little bit complicated, but it boils down to he's got them for two weeks, I've got them for two weeks. For the weekend, in between, the other parent has them. What that means is that both parents, the kids see both parents, um, they don't go a week or more than a week without seeing both of the parents. Good for the kids, and actually it's good for the parents because both of us have demanding jobs. And so when I do all my traveling, it's usually during those weeks when I don't have the girls. And so they don't even know that I'm gone because they're off at daddy's house. And it works. And one day my 10-year-old said to me, you know what, I am so glad that both of you are in my life because I get to talk about my mommy and daddy just the way all the other kids do. And, you know, that stopped me because I'd never really thought about that and the fact that if they couldn't talk about their mommy and daddy like everybody else did, um, then, you know, what would that feel like? I never thought about it. But these are the kinds of things that come out of your kids that just kind of tell you how important it is for both the parents to remain involved with the children. Do not go a week if you can help it without seeing your children. Do not let new relationships get in the way of your relationship with your kid. If your new man or woman does not put your kids first, consider that a deal breaker. Um, which gets into a little bit blended families. You know, I, I have always felt that the worst thing for children was for mom or dad to decide to marry someone who viewed them as sort of a tangent to the beloved person that they were marrying. So if a man is looking at a woman and thinking, okay, I love the woman, and, you know, she comes with kids, that is not the right attitude. The right attitude is we are going to be a family, and this is our family, both for mom and dad. And the other destructive thing that a lot of times, you know, parents do is they will pull rank on the non-biological parent if there is a disagreement. This is my child. What do you mean you're going to discipline my child? And immediately what the kid figures out is that actually this new parent has absolutely zero authority in the house, and that's when all the problems begin. And that's when, you know, the insubordination starts, the disobedience starts, the disrespect starts, and it creates problems between the, the the mom and the dad, and then, you know, before you know it, you've got a whole new set of problems on your hands. So that's what I will tell you about the children. 
And then, of course, we've got this issue with emotions, right? So this is an emotional time, and we're trying to deal with all these things, and it's actually a lot of those emotions that drive the stuff that's going on with the kids, that drives the stuff that's going on between both of the parents. Um, Here's what I will tell you that I learned, and it is this. I, I there there are these classes called divorce care classes, and the the best way I can describe it, and this is not the technical definition, but it is a syndicated series of classes that are given usually through churches to help people who are going through separation and divorce. And one of the really cool things about divorce care is they give you a way to express things that you really can't talk about. And they put words to things that you're feeling and you can't really explain. And it's actually an incredibly helpful series of classes. So I happened to go to one, you know, more out of sheer curiosity than anything else when I went. But one of the things that I got there and and heard the very first day, very first class, what they said was, you know, there are a lot of things that people try to do to deal with their emotions when they're going through divorce. They try to cover them up. They try to bury them. They try to find ways to cope. And unfortunately, many of those ways are destructive ways. Some people will immediately try and jump into a new relationship, and the one thing that they tell you in divorce care is do not do that. Some people will bury themselves in work, which, you know, personally, I don't think that's so bad. I think there were drugs in the world. Um, some people will go out and they will take up, you know, bad habits, drinking. Um, they will find addictions, drugs, sex, shopping, things that uh, eating, things that have a tendency to be destructive if done in excess. And what they tell you in divorce care classes is you are never going to be able to avoid the emotions. You can't stuff them. You can't jump over them. You can't truncate them. You can't get around them. You just have to go through the process. And one of the things that I heard that was actually kind of shocking to me at the time was that in this world where we are so used to things happening quickly and we are so used to this sort of instant gratification society, it will still take you, they said, half the length of your marriage to get over it. In other words, if you are married for 12 years, it's going to take you six years to get over your your divorce emotionally and get to the point of adjustment. Can you believe six years? Can you imagine? And I'm sitting there going, oh, gee whiz, that's a really long time. And um, are you sure it takes that long, really, in this day and age? And they said, yes, it takes that long. Um, often it can take that long. It doesn't always. But, you know, people tend to expect that they're going to get over these things quickly. And the point was, it'll take some people longer, it'll take some people shorter, but make no mistake, it's going to take you a while and you just have to go through it. Go through the pain. Like if you watched Finding Nemo, you know, um, when they had to go through the cavern, when they said, you know, don't go over, you just go through it. It's dark and it's scary and it's horrible looking, but you got to go through it. Don't go over it. Because, you know, they're stinging jellyfish if you go over it and they might kill you. So... <laughs> So um, that's one thing to remember about your emotions. Find a place and find a way to send. My favorite way of dealing with my emotions actually was to sit with my heavenly dad 
and um, I call him dad because we're, we're we're just that close. And um, there were times, and I, I, I took to meditation at the time, and I think God called me to meditate because he knew what was coming, and he knew I was going to need my father. And um, there were times when it was really emotional, and I would just, I had this little, you know, I've got this little conservatory, this little sunroom, and it's all made of glass. It's my favorite room in the whole house, and that was my little meditation spot. And I'd go there, and I'd sit on my little meditation pillow, and I'd sit down, and I'd spend time with my dad. And there were times when I was going through my divorce, there were times when, um, and I tried to meditate, you know, every, I, I tried to spend every morning and every evening with my father. And uh, I would I would aim for 30 minutes every morning, 30 minutes every night. And I kid you not, there were days when I would go out there, I would sit down, and I'd say, dear God, and I would just bawl. And then at the end of, you know, whatever time, however time, how long, it, however long it took, I would say, okay, I'll see you tonight, and I'd go off. And then I'd come back that night, dear God. <laughs> and off I would go. And the thing that was interesting about it is, you know, you and your father get to know each other really, really well when you go through something like that because you you can't just sit there and go, oh, holier than thou, you know, thou art wonderful because, you know, your life is falling apart. You know it, he knows it. And you don't want to sit there talking about, oh, holier than thou, this and that. What you really want to say is, this sucks. I can't even put a voice to what I'm feeling. I hate it. I can't believe that I ended up here. And you might even be inclined to say, Lord, how could you let this happen, right? And the Lord is probably going to say, yes, my child, let's talk about you. And uh, so, you know, you, 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 you sit there and you, you, you just have it out. And I had emotions that I could not describe. And I couldn't even put a, a a a finger on all the things that were going on inside of me. But here's the one thing that I found to be true. When I sat there with my father, um, I could feel his presence. It was like a warm hug. Those of you who have felt the presence of the Lord know exactly what I'm talking about. Somewhere in the Bible, you know, it talks about, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And just sitting there going, how can that be? How can the murderers and everybody else, you know, how can they bow? And and those of you who have encountered God know that when you are in the presence of God, nobody ever needs to tell you who it is. You know. And when people say, how do you know God exists? If you have had that encounter, you know and you know and you know. And there is nothing that anybody can tell you because you cannot intellectualize it when you have had that encounter. And so when I was sitting there, you know, bawling my eyes out because, oh, my goodness, my marriage was falling apart and life just sucked. God was there. And not only was he there, but he was such a comfort. And not only was he such a comfort, but that was the one time and the one place and with the one person where I didn't even have to try and explain. I didn't have to try and make sense of it. I didn't have to try and make logic of it. I could just sit there with God and cry. And God would sit there with me, and he would hug me, and I would feel the warmth of his arms around me, and I just knew that it was going to be all right because God was there. So that would be my suggestion to you. Um, acknowledge your emotions. Accept your emotions. Um Talk to trusted advisors, counselors, if you need to. Don't feel compelled to understand all of your emotions because it's a jumble and it's a mess. Um, find healthy therapeutic outlets, support groups, exercise, 
work even, hang out with your children. Um, my favorite, pray and meditate. It really will help the process go faster. God will pick you up and he will carry you through that time and you'll be able to look back and people are going to say things to you like they said to me, which was, my goodness, you are, you know, every time I saw you, I know that your life was falling apart because you talked to me about it, but every time I saw you, you were smiling. My goodness, you got through it with such grace, you got through it with such style, and it doesn't even show on your face because you still look as happy as you always have. And at the end of the day, I think to myself, yeah, well, that was because my father carried me because I certainly could not have gotten through it by myself. So this is what we have to say today about your emotions and your children. So this completes another installment of When the Marriage Falls Apart. Thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show. Till next week, go in peace and learn how to cope in a healthy way. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash the Speedway Show. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle the Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.